Hi, and welcome to Single Out. This is episode 20, A Matchmaker's Perspective. Thank you so much, Marissa Gross, for joining us on Singled Out, a podcast where we discuss the difficulties of being single in the Jewish community, as well as ways of making the most of it. I am so excited to have you on today, and I've been wanting to do an episode for a while with the Shadchan to try and tap into the other side of the dating experience, really with someone that can understand on the ground what goes into it and maybe areas that singles could be improving in just to get a little bit more perspective. So since I've made Aliyah with my husband, I think I've heard your name mentioned countless times at many Shabbos meals, both from couples themselves who have been set up by you and just as an incredible resource to help navigating dating in Israel. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's so nice to meet you. <laughs> so, okay, so we'll just jump right in. I guess I'll just open up with how long have you been involved in Shidduchim? I'm just about to have my 20 year anniversary. Wow. So I guess like the first Shidduch I made was before I got married. So I would say 21 years ago. And literally, since I got married, I started like getting my hands wet with Shaduchim. Um, But I've only been doing it really seriously, I would say. I think the first 10 years were kind of informal. And I think like 10 years, like much more serious and full time. I've been doing it for almost four years full time. Before that, I was working in Jewish education and running big Jewish outreach programs. So I was more doing it on the side. Mm -hmm. And it's only been the past four years that I've dedicated full, full time to doing it because I saw that it was a real need for the Jewish people. No, for sure. Wait, so can you tell us a little bit about that first match that you set up? It was before you were married, you said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was, um, I, I was starting the Shidduch process and someone suggested a really special person to me and it did not sound suitable for me for several reasons. And I was like, he's not for me, but he's for so-and-so. And she's, she was three years older than me at the time, very good family friend. And they dated and they got married. And I also had actually a friend in university who we lived together and we were one time at this like Shabbos meal. And I was like, you're totally going to marry this guy. And she did actually marry him. So I don't think it's not really my match, but I definitely (laughs) had had the first bouts of Seattle to Shemaya when I was like with her. And then after I got married, I started to meet lots more people like that were single because we would have guests that were my friends, my husband's friends. And it was much easier when my husband started working as a Rebbe and a yeshiva. And I started working for an organization called Tribe. And we were both accessing lots of people. So because of my network, initially, I just knew people, which is which is unusual for somebody of my age. It was just me and my husband together. So I started like informally just putting people together and really pushing myself to kind of think of ideas and find things out about people. And um, that just kind of spiraled out of control. What would you say was the most surprising shidduch you ever made? I have had quite a lot of them actually to have. Look, according to Halakha, you're not allowed to set up a person that you don't consider to be a potential match. Like according to Halakha, like if you see a reason that it would be unhealthy for them to be married, you're actually not allowed to to set them up. Mm. So there's definitely been um, people, everyone that I've set up have been a per- have been people that I believe that the match could work because if not, I would not be allowed to set them up. But I've definitely had surprises because there's definitely been people that I was like, kind of like it's worth a try, but I'm not sure it's actually going to happen. Um, I definitely had a really, really fascinating story years ago where there was this wonderful girl who learned in the seminary that I worked in. I worked at Madrasha Rachel, and she was a Yemenite Israeli girl. 
and she became religious through meeting a religious boy and she met him at some sort of bar or something like that and he was much more religious than her so she got interested in Judaism and she started becoming religious and then she broke up with that boy and came to study Madrasha Rachel wow. and she was very Israeli and very cool and I really liked her and um, I really didn't know who to set her up with but I really wanted to help her so there was a guy that I helped with with matchmaking who was South African they were both in their late 30s at the time and I thought he was a great guy but like South African Ashkenazi didn't even want to commit to living in Israel and the reason why I set them up is because he said he wants a strong woman. And I'm like, great. Yemenite women are strong. They're like, they've got great personalities. They're, and I really like this girl. So basically I set them up and they went out with each other and it was a terrible first date. And they were like a little mortified at the suggestion. They're like, Matt Kesher, you know, like what's the relationship between me and him? Ashkenazi, South African and Yemenite, Israeli. And no, we're not going out with each other again. So they broke up with each other. I couldn't even convince them to go on a second date. And that was the end of that. And then two weeks later, it was a really bizarre thing. I was on the bus coming from Madrash Rachel where I work to Harnoff where I live in Yerushalayim and I passed the bus stop and I had this like bout of inspiration and I'm like I really have to tell them to go out with each other again what do you mean you just had a feeling I just it just came to my head it was bizarre I remember where I was I was on the bus and I'm like why did I let them say no <laughs> like I called up the guy and I was like you have to go out with her again so he's like no I'm not going out with her again it was a waste of time I'm like, go out with her again. It's like a really good idea. I'm so good to you. I set you up with all these great girls. Give it another try. So like I convinced him. He really didn't want to, but I think he felt bad because I was so good to him. So he agreed to go out with her. And then I phoned her up and I was like, he really regrets the decision. Oh like, my God. I you did like the Arana Cohen move of like oh making sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so not like me. I'm the most unmanipulative Shadchan in the whole world. Like, I really don't believe in manipulating, lying, fudging, anything. I just, like, had this really bizarre feeling that they had to go out again. So I basically told her that he wanted to go out with her again, which he didn't. And she agreed. And they went out again. And it was amazing. Date number six, which is, like, way too quick for, like, modern Orthodox, Balchuva, older singles. They're, like... The guy's like, I want to get married to her. It was bizarre. My favorite ever Shadduk story. So there you go. I think that was a surprising match. Yeah. I'm curious, how many Shadduchim have you made total? Do you know? Um, I do. Look, the truth is, I know like roughly how many it is, but I don't tell people because I don't want Einhorov. But a lot. Can we, can we ballpark? Can I guess a number and you'll say if it's more or less? Guess a, guess a number. Okay. I'm going to guess. You said you've been doing it professionally for four years but for a while yeah, before that exactly um 300 i would say it's probably a little bit less than that wow i would imagine but oh either way i do want to just make a caveat that i don't believe that i make the shidduchim i'm not such right. a firmer i'm really not i'm really not like i have here at shabayim but one of the reasons why i don't like telling people that is because I, I really can't take the credit like Every single story is filled with like divine providence. And I just can't say that I made this amount of shidduchim because I know that I really didn't. And I just look at it as a big schut that Hashem picked me to do this. You're very clearly a shaliach for this. You know what I'm saying? So 100% that Hashem is definitely using you to be able to come up with these ideas. Even the way you described just having this strong feeling on the bus definitely seems like there was some very strong sense of Siata Deshmai happening there. I'm curious why you feel 
you're uniquely successful as the shaliach. Like, do you think there's something that maybe sets you apart to be successful that Hashem allows you to be successful in this? That is such a good question. Um, Again, if I answer that question, I might be blowing my own trumpet. I think that I do really do this L'Shem Shemaim. Like, I really genuinely believe that this is the Rots on Hashem. And I try to make every decision based on what he wants from me. So I always ask myself, like, what does he want from me? Does he want me to be very truthful? Does he want me to sugarcoat things a little bit? Am I setting them both up for success? Like, do I really believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants this match to work out? Do I really believe that I'm being open and ehrlich and honest? So I do try very, very hard to make this part of like my avoidance Hashem. So maybe that's why I have a bit of Seattle to Shemaya. And just on a, on a practical level, I do think that I will, I will say this because I think if any of you guys want to, want to like suggest matches would be amazing because every time I do like interviews I'm like if I do an interview and I inspire one person to like set up somebody and they actually go out and get married or even if they don't get married but just to feel like they're doing their hishtad loot to find the right one then I feel like it was worth it for me to do it so I would say that one of the things that I do and I hope that you'll all do too is like I genuinely try to listen to what that person wants. I'm not trying to give over my own preconceived notions about what I think is good for them. I will definitely suggest things to them or offer um, opinions based on them wanting my advice if they ask for it. But I really genuinely try to listen to people and I try to find them what they're looking for. I'm curious when you meet with people and I know that you have a very busy schedule and, you know, people get a time slot and Baruch Hashem, you're keeping up with the growing demands. How much of your assessment of a person is based on what they tell you versus what you intuit from them? That's a great question. First of all, um, it's definitely both. I would say it's 50-50. I'm very into not recommending matches for people if it doesn't make sense on paper. I have like a whole like classes that I teach about this and I have a whole process of thinking, like a logical process of how I choose matches and how I set people up. It's under the acronym of MATCH, M-A-T-C-H. I'm very, very specific about having criteria that I use to set people up and I will not give up on these criteria unless I'm very clear with the person that they don't meet this criteria or that criteria and both sides are comfortable moving forward. In that case, I will let the match um, go. But in terms of my intuition, at the beginning of doing Shaduchim, I would intuitively meet people and set them up. Since I started doing that, I saw that that could be very dangerous because sometimes you have intuition that a couple is a really good match and then it just doesn't match up on the on paper things and then it could end in disaster. So I would say that it's probably 50-50, but my main guiding force is the, the, you know, the match criteria that I use. And then beyond that, there is that intuition that makes me say, okay, I could really see them together. And obviously there's the intuition which sometimes pushes me away from helping people. Like there are definitely times where I meet people and I'm nervous or I'm uncomfortable with them, the way that they interact with me or the demands that they have, which are done in a really unrealistic, crazy way. And in that case, I will definitely not be able to help people like that. By the way, if anyone's listening who I've met before and I haven't set them up, that doesn't mean that I choose to be like them. It just means something. So it's or, or that it's yeah. very rare that I don't, I don't feel comfortable with the person. That does happen sometimes, but often when I don't set people up, it's just like, I don't have the Seattle to Shemaya. That's really right. it. Right. Can you speak a little more to that? Meaning what are some red lines that would 
signal to you someone should not be dating right now? There's lots of different aspects of this. There's, well, first of all, a person should only be dating if they're, I call it PIE, P-I-E, if they're practically, intellectually, and emotionally ready to date. So Mm -hmm. there has to be a practical setup, meaning they have to have a plan in life. They have to know where they're living. They have to know how they're going to support themselves in marriage, whether it's them, whether it's their job, whether it's their parents, okay? intellectually they have to know what they want they have to have dreams they have to know how they want their life to be and emotionally for sure they have to be emotionally ready for dating they have to have worked through any past trauma any family difficulties any personality problems that they've got etc etc so they have to be ready to date a hundred percent but there are people that have done the best they can and they have covered all three of the aspects of pie And there's just something about their midas that I am not comfortable with. That doesn't mean that they're not ready to get married, right? It does not. It just means that I don't think that I can be their their messenger because I pick something up that would make me uncomfortable. In that case, what do you feel like your role is? Like, do you take on the role to maybe tell them or do you just kind of say, I'll try and keep you in mind and then... The latter, the latter. I don't really ever tell someone that I think they've got an issue, unless I've been working with them for a while and we have a close relationship and they ask me specifically if if they need help with something and I will tell them, but I've learned that unsolicited advice just doesn't go anywhere. Instead of actually listening to me, they'll just like kind of speak lush and horror about me. I just had that recently. There was a guy that was unbelievably rude to me and he made me extremely nervous and he phoned me up and started shouting at me and I told him what I thought. And then he just spent like the whole Shabbos with a friend of mine speaking lots of horror about me. So I'm like, I'm not interested. Like, you don't like me. You don't like me. Fine. I'm not going to tell you what I think because I just know it's just going to make you not like me and not actually change yourself. So I've learned to keep my mouth shut, which is really difficult for me because I've got a big mouth. But okay. (laughs) (laughs) Are there any cases uh, where you feel like you would advise someone to date in America versus Israel? I know that yes, you're primarily based in Israel, right? That's most of the people you work yeah, with. Yeah, 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 a hundred percent. If a per- for, for sure, like just to be very basic, if a person wants to live in America, they should basically a person should be dating where they live, right? I I have a real problem with people coming in to Israel to date. It never works for me. I've never had the answer to Shemaya with it. Meaning, if someone's coming in for like a few weeks and wants to date here, they'll contact me. They'll be like, they want to date here, and I'm like, well, what's going to happen? Like, you're going to come here, you're going to go out with the guy three times, and then you're going to create pressure on him, on you, to like fly back to America. I'm not saying that it it shouldn't be done. There's there's plenty of people that do it, and there's plenty of people that get married that way. I just don't think that I'm going to be the best person to to work on that match because I'm a very, very big believer in like no pressure. I think that if a person is wants to live in a country, they should date in that country. And also, let's say one thing I do sometimes say to people that if there are um, like certain criteria they've got, for example, sometimes I have American girls that come to Israel and they really want to live in Israel, but they want like a guy who's professional and working and has it together and make loads of money, but it's also yeshivish, but also modern. I'm like, listen, sweetie pie, I will try to help you. And there are some boys like that. The, what the type of boy you're describing is in America. So if you're really MacPids and all these things just fitting into your jigsaw puzzle, you'll probably get it better, better off dating there and um, and marrying someone who wants to live there. They're better suited dating in America because financially someone in a certain bracket is more likely to be making that in America versus Israel? 
yeah, there's also just more chutznikim that are making money and successful in America than there are in Israel. Because in Israel, in order to do well in your business, you have to really be able to be a Hebrew speaker. And a lot of chutznikim, boys and girls, find it difficult to make it work here. Right. And so, right. they, you know, they, they go to America, they go to Landers College, they go to YU, they do their degree in English, and then they start working there, and they're making a good salary, and they can move up in their business. But it's much easier to find that type of person in America. But again, Hashem's in charge, and there are some people like that. So if if a person can find it here, great. If not, it might. it's just more likely the type that they're looking for is in America. If a person wants to live in Israel and marry a long-term learner, I would probably suggest them dating in Israel because that's where more of the, but again, like Hashem knows people's address. No, for sure. It's it's with the yeah. caveat that anything could happen anytime because Hashem's running the right. world. But I'm, so it sounds like you're saying in terms of geography to be mindful, that would maybe, you know, help someone choose to date in America or Israel and also financially. Would you say hashkafically or you feel like that's something which you could find in both? Because I feel like there's a different flavor, a little bit of hashkafa in Israel, like in terms of yeshivish or datilumi versus in America, like non-Orthodox, there's overlap, but I don't know that it translates exactly. I do. I think you're right. I think that's also a problem for Americans who come here that they're not as black and white in terms of their hashkafas. They're they're a little bit more balanced and they have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And in Israel, you do kind of have to pick a community and put yourself in a bracket, which is hard for certain people. But mm-hmm. I do think now that is changing to have it. Like it used to be much more black and white. Now there is a bit more of a middle of the road niche for people. Um, it's definitely has its challenges to be middle of the road in this country, whereas in America, it doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Like in America, you could be, um, in between the two worlds and be really successful. In Israel, to be in between the two worlds, you could be successful as well, but it's much more difficult because there's right. so there's a very small community of people like that. Um, although I think now, if you guys are all listening and you're single, I feel like now is a good time for Israel in that respect because they are opening more communities and schools and stuff. But when I came to Eretz Israel, it wasn't really such a good option. So I guess to shift gears, when you are setting someone up and it seems to be going well, what are some indicators to you that you can tell it's going in the right direction? It's basically if they're positive, if they sound excited, if they're feeling a connection, if, you know, they're coming up with issues, but their issues are minor. Like sometimes like people need a really important conversation with me. And I'm like, okay. And I start having this really important conversation. I'm like, this is just nothing. You're looking for excuses. You really like each other. So it's just basically the vibe. I can sometimes tell from date one or two that they're going to marry each other. And I just have to wait it out because it's inappropriate to tell somebody on date one that they're going to marry the person. But a lot of times I know. It's interesting. What traits do you feel like are overemphasized in dating? And what traits do you feel like are underemphasized? That's a good question. Um, again, I have a whole sheer I give on preferences and deal breakers, and I try to give people clarity about what should be a preference and what should be a deal breaker. You know, obviously preferences are just nice things and deal breakers are things which are super important. Deal breakers should be emphasized, you know, not things which aren't deal breakers. So for example, age, okay, like Age is a number, like get over it. It's not a big deal. Like you can marry a guy quite a bit older than you. If it's a guy, he can marry a girl quite a bit, quite a bit older than him too. Like it drives me crazy. Like if guys won't go out with girls a year older than them, 
I'm just like, get over it. You know what I mean? Or girls won't date guys that are more than three years older than them. I'm like, this is so external. Age is a mindset, not a number. So that really drives me crazy, I have to say. By the way, there's some things which everyone thinks are crazy and I don't think are crazy. So I'll give you an example. I, I think it'll be interesting for you to know. So People go crazy over boys who are picky about looks and girls who are picky about looks. They're superficial. They're horrible. They're not seeing the panemius of the boy or the panemius of the girl. And people rant and rave about people being picky about looks, okay? I personally think that looks are a deal breaker. I really, really do. I always tell people when I'm teaching them that looks at the end of a dating process are a deal breaker meaning it is true that when you meet a person you can't necessarily decide on the first or second date if you are attracted to them or not but like as you're dating and as if you've given it a little bit of time I don't think a person should have to marry a person that they're not attracted to they don't like their big nose that they don't like the fact that they're a little bit overweight like why should someone marry someone that they're not attracted to everyone has different criteria for attraction I just spoke to a boy today who said no to a girl because she was too skinny you know, she, he likes girls that are more womanly and have fuller figures. And that's his right thing. And the right. truth is, when I say that, people are fine. But if I say a guy wants a skinny girl, everyone goes crazy. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. But I think people are allowed to have external criteria, which, which help them be either attracted or unattracted. I think it's reasonable. I think we're human beings. So these things don't bother me as much as other things bother me. Well, what's your stance on pictures? Do you require pictures when people meet with you? Do you send pictures out? Do you feel like they shouldn't be used? So it depends. I don't have a sheet on it. I'm definitely not anti-pictures and I'm definitely not pro-pictures. If a boy is young and a girl is young and they're just starting shidduchim and for sure if they're more yeshivish and even if they're not, I don't know if they really need pictures, but as they get older and they've gone out with so many people and they really feel that they need to get like an impression of the person by their appearance, either it's about attraction or it's about just getting a vibe, I think that's okay too. So I just, I, I think that people are very black and white when it comes to pictures And I'm not like that. I'm very flexible and it really depends on the situation. What do you find people struggle with the most in dating? Well, there's there's so many struggles. But first of all, there's the struggle of just not dating. I know that it's a tremendous fear of every person to like not be moving. Even the people that are burnt out for dating and they go out with too many people, I feel like for them that's less challenging because at least they're moving. You know what I mean? At least there's ideas. So I know it's hard when when the boys and girls go out a lot, but I still think it's preferable to do that than to not go out at all. Not getting ideas, that takes away hope. And mm-hmm. hope is the only thing that can really keep people strong during the dating process. And if you don't have hope, it's very, very difficult. So I think that, you know, there's definitely challenges of not dating and there's definitely challenges of dating too much. I think you were also asking me in terms of the challenge that singles face when they're dating I think the biggest challenge that they have and I have in guiding them is that the older they get the more specific they get and the more difficult it is for them to let go of things and the more complicated they get so I think the real real challenge for every single is to try not to get overly complicated don't let your experiences your negativity your ups and downs make you into a complicated person. Try and be happy. Try and accept people for who they are. Try to resolve your own issues so that you could not worry about the little things and focus on the big things. The, the people that don't 
don't aren't able to move forwards in Shadduchim are usually the people that just overcomplicate things and have too many demands and aren't able to let go of the little things. And that's very, very scary. How do you determine complicated? Meaning, so you've become experienced and you've gone out with so many people that you have so many things that you're looking for and so many things that you need so that you become so demanding. You know what I mean? Like, I also need him to be successful and I also need him to be responsible and I also need him to be tall and I also need him to be funny. And there's so many things that he needs to have. And I'm just too complicated to be able to let go of things. A simple person can say, listen, everyone comes with their pros and their cons. We all have our good points and our bad points. I need to learn to let go. For example, I like him and I have a good time with him. And he's going to look after me. But unfortunately, he's not a lawyer. Okay, that should not make somebody's decision complicated. I once had a 38-year-old girl that I read a shidduch for of a boy who was a high school principal. And she didn't want to go out with him because he's a high school principal. I'm like, he's responsible. He's making a pranessa. He's a good guy. Like, you're crazy. You're crazy. You're so complicated that you're saying no to someone that's a high school principal. You know, I'm not asking you to date a dustbin man. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like these types of things, like uh, these types of things, a girl, like a girl or a boy who's young, just started dating, is excited about the process, is not going to say no to a person because they're a teacher or they're a lawyer or an accountant. Do you know what I'm saying? I think the important thing would be to know that if they're academic, this person well-read, is he intelligent, is he deep? It doesn't really matter what he's doing. You know, as right. long as he's making an honest pranessa, he's intelligent and he's deep. Um, other things, you know, like other things that that, that overcomplicate that overcomplicated people do are, for example, you know, they'll say, "You didn't understand me when I said A, B, and C." And I think to myself, "Well, darling, why don't you just tell him and help him to understand you? Like, why you be complicated about it? Like, you told him you were tired. He didn't get the fact that you're tired. Why don't you just say to him?" I'm really tired. I had such a late night. Do you mind if we go home? You don't have to be so demanding that you expect him to get every single nuance and be so unbelievably emotionally intelligent that he's just going to pick up all the little nuances of your personality. Sometimes you have to be very straightforward and explain things to a person and not expect them to be this like psychologist that can understand every facet of you. Right. That's another example. You made so many amazing points, and I just love the fact that you have so much experience to kind of dwell on. Something that you mentioned that really, really spoke to me personally, because that was something I struggled with tremendously, was what you said about hope really being the anchor for almost every single throughout the process. And I think Sharchanim are in this really interesting position where they're such a helpful resource, but you almost become to a lot of people their lifeline to marriage, right? And they view you as like, you're going to have the answers, you're going to have the right person and to keep them in mind. And I'm curious, I guess, how you handle that desperation and pressure. In terms of what? In terms of like me giving them chizik, what do you mean? Meaning, do you have people coming to you that you can kind of sense that desperation or lack of hope or they're like, please, like, like following up with All you? the time. Yeah, all the time. All the time. And I, and it's it creates a lot of pressure because- if I meet somebody and I see how desperate they are and I really don't have an idea for them and I just know that I'm going to be another blow, like just coming to me and me not having ideas is going to be another blow to them on top of all the other hundreds of blows they've had with all their rejections. So 
I try to just give them chizik and I tell them they're amazing and I really want to help them. And if I don't have ideas, I'm really sorry. I just don't have the schus. And I just try to make them feel good about it. But there's not really much more I can do than that because if I don't have an idea, I don't have an idea. It's painful for them. It's painful for me. Like there are sometimes people that come and I just feel sick. Like I'm like, Mm -hmm. I just, I can't help them. So yeah, it's very painful. I think I just empathize. And I definitely think that there are, there's plenty of people that like use me as a scapegoat. Like, oh, I heard Marissa sets you up, but I met her and she's never set me up with one person. I'm, I've heard that from people, you know, or like, I feel like I just wasted my time. Like everyone says Marissa is so good, but she hasn't even read one shit up to me. And I will say to all the singles listening that sometimes with when with matchmakers think that we're not helping you, but we are. So for example, there's certain people that have come to me and I've never set them up before. And I've literally suggested five or six people from them and they've all been rejected. And I haven't got back to that person and said, I suggested you to five people and they all rejected to you because I would rather they hated me than mm-hmm. felt down on themselves because of the rejections. It's, it's hard for me because I have this yet to her to say, do you know that I've actually put in like three hours of work trying to help you with Shadukham and you just think I'm a horrible person? Like I have this yet to her to say it, but then they're going to know that they've been rejected. So that's not nice. Wow. So it's almost like a protective measure to not. Uh... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. We'll end with just a quick rapid fire of true or false. So do you think there's been over the past few years an increased number of broken engagements? Um, I think in my experience, there's been an increased number of divorces, but not broken engagement. More divorce than broken engagement. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts or theories why you think that is? People are more are more mucked up than they were 20 years ago. What does that mean? Too much mental health problems, too much pressure, too much technology, which is ruining everyone's lives. The world is more complicated now than it was 20 years ago. That's mm. just how it is. So if the world is complicated, people are more complicated and marriages are more complicated. The good thing is, is that therapy has become more acceptable and welcomed in the Jewish world. So definitely there is many more resources to deal with the problems and the complications. Right. So that's a good thing. Right, right. No, that's true. That is a positive. That's not as taboo, 100%. Yeah. Okay, yeah. true or false. Does the Shidduch crisis exist? And if so, what is it in your opinion? There is definitely a Shidduch crisis. There is too many singles. People are having expectations about what they need that they're not getting. Again, I think this is a lot from social media and from movies and things like that. And they're always looking outside their own world into other people's worlds and saying, I want that and thinking that they should get that when really they don't really understand that they really just need to get the right person for themselves. So yeah, there is a Shidduch crisis. Definitely, there is a huge need to help people get married off. Um, That's interesting because I, sorry to cut you off, just I always assume the shit of crisis people referring to is that for every one guy, there's X amount of girls and the power is more in, you know, the man's court and and he's influx with all these different resumes and women are not. But you seem to be saying that the shit of crisis is just in general kind of the state of where singles are today emotionally that's what that's what I consider to be the okay no that's interesting probably probably you're right in terms of what other most people define the show no I don't I don't I'm curious like like Justin I go back and forth about this because he was saying mathematically it can't be that more guys get married than girls because for every guy that gets married he's he's marrying you know a girl but in terms of the dating process I think people define the crisis being different so I was curious 
you know, in your yeah, I mean, look, life. there's lots of studies. I work with somebody called Moshe Pogrel who runs the NASI project and they are an amazing organization, which who have done a lot of like statistical research and would agree with you, but the way that they would like to rectify the process. And I don't really understand the maths of it. If you go onto the NASI website, you could read about it, but the maths um, actually should be that boys should end up dating girls who are older than them. And the boys should start dating younger in order to avert the shit crisis. I don't really understand it. You would have to look it up. I'm so not okay. mad. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's interesting. I'll check it out. And yeah. last, true or false, are guys actually more picky about girls' looks? Guys are probably more likely to say no on looks than girls are. But I would say, yeah, guys are probably a little bit more physical than girls are. And so they're more picky. But don't worry. I deal with <laughs> I deal with tons of picky girls as well. So right. really yeah also you have to remember Zahaba, that I'm working with Shaduchim in Israel which is very different I've heard that in America this is a huge problem with the guys mm. being picky and demanding pictures etc cetera, etc cetera, and there being like 10 girls to one guy and Eretz for all I don't feel that it's so much like that I get I got probably 40% guys and 60% girls that come to me so I am still meeting quite a lot of boys and there's plenty of boys that I'm looking for as well as girls and it's very funny I had whenever I have a girl and they tell me they've got a brother on Shaduchim, I always say to them, don't worry, I'm just as interested as you. I'm not trying to <laughs> marry off your brother. Like I am looking for girls for my guys as well, but maybe right. that's more in Israel than it is in America. And maybe if you don't mind just ending with, if you had one piece of advice for singles, what would it be? Great question. If I had one piece of advice for sing- singles, it would be, to try and keep yourselves fresh and happy and alive because you don't know how long this process is going to be. It could be like the the shidduch I was zahe to make two weeks ago where the girl at 25, which isn't that old, but she's been dating since she was 19. She got engaged at 25 and she said, I literally did not think I was ever going to find him. I just went out with guy after guy after guy that I just didn't like. He didn't like me. We didn't connect. And I just found him and it was just like that. It was like Yeshua Sashem Karev Ayan. So what I would say to people is, is that you're going on a journey. You don't know how long it's going to take. It might be much quicker than you think. And it might be much longer than you think. Try and just be happy. Maintain your sanity. Be busy. Do awesome things. Like I sometimes meet these older single girls that are doing this chesed project and successful in their work and they go on holidays with their friends my one of my closest friends got married at 41 to an amazing amazing guy she might listen to this podcast and Baruch Hashem she has a baby now and she was such a great single she was such a great single like she made friends and when her friends got married she stayed friends with them and she used to go to her friend's house for Shabbatim and play with their kids you know when she was in their her 20s 30s and even like when she was 40 she was a great like aunt to her her nieces and nephews she would find other older single girls that didn't have families and she would go on holiday with them she took this old holocaust survivor lady to show every week when she lived in the upper west side she was tremendously successful in her job she just kept herself going and she kept that amuna going and she was a happy person and eventually she found the right one and i give you a bracha that none of you should have to wait that long Mm -hmm. but in the process of waiting you don't know 
what's going to happen. You don't know when he's going to come. Just stay strong and stay happy and do everything in your power for self-care and to and to really just enjoy life. And I think that that will just make it also easier for you to cope, but also it's going to make you more likable for the other person. You're going to be more attracted sure, that sure. way. Yeah. And I do want to just end with a bracha that anyone listening here who's going through pain and hardship and it's tough for you, I just want to give you a bracha that you should find the right one easily and quickly and it should be painless and you should try and not make things overly complicated. And if you find someone that makes sense, but not perfect sense, but just makes Make sense and you think you could make it work even with all the imperfections just go for it because it's not going to get better it does get harder as you get older and there's definitely too many scary stories of people that are older very old and single and if they look back at their dating they're like wow I really could have made it work with that guy and that's the scariest thing so if you find someone that makes somewhat sense for you and you like him and there's a connection and many of the criteria fit just go for it just go for it and you'll just make sure that you work on yourself in the context of marriage to to make it work and not make it complicated and difficult for you because I think all marriages about are about work anyway so you might as well find someone great for it to work with it definitely doesn't have to be the perfect person you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying Becca? yeah that for sure for yeah. sure for sure I'm in I'm in I'm in to all those record for everyone listening thank you so so much for your time for letting us kind of pick your brain and experience today and yeah I still look forward to sharing this episode with so many people for, thanks for having me have a wonderful day thank you so much to have a nice to meet you